Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to be in the house of God. And as the screen behind me uh, me says, we're going to be speaking about the Helper. And in the fine print there, I've got the promise of Pentecost. The promise of Pentecost. Um, Who here knows what I mean when I say Pentecost? Just give me a show of hands so I know who I'm talking to because I realised that in the other two services, there were many hands that did not go up, meaning they did not understand the concept of Pentecost, which is really cool. But what you need to know is today is Pentecost Sunday. And I'm going to explain that in just a little while. But by way of setting up what I want to share this morning, uh, just by way of reading the Word of God, as I would do on a daily basis and seeing the incredible promises in the Word of God, particularly as I've gone through the Gospels more recently. I think about all the incredible things that Jesus has said uh, concerning the church, concerning you, concerning me. He's uh, so full of faith and so full of life and so full of joy. Uh, On one occasion, Jesus said this to the disciples, you'll do even greater things than me. And that wasn't reserved just for the disciples. It was reserved for each and every one of us. And I don't know about you, when I read that I can do greater things than Jesus, I get just a little bit excited. Are you with me? Anyone just get a little bit excited? Maybe the kind of excitement where a little bit of weed comes out, that kind of excited. Anybody? No? I do. I think, wow, because Jesus is amazing. Jesus did some incredible things. He really did. But then if you're anything like me, The excitement gives way to reality. Because I'm thinking greater things than you. I can't even do what you did. Anyone feel like that? I mean, Jesus is amazing. And He's saying not only will we do what He did, we will do even greater things. I'm like, at that moment, I'm like, Jesus, do you know who you're talking to? Um, And I'd remind Him of a few things that I kind of struggled to do during the week. And, And maybe if you're anything like me, you think, man, I don't think I can do what you're asking me to do. Is anyone else out there a little bit like that? You get excited and the excitement soon gives way to reality because you know that the things that Jesus Christ is asking you to do, you can't do. And I know most of us would have a favourite verse in the Scripture, but if you're anything like me, you might have an unfavourite verse in the Scripture. And I have a few unfavourite verses. One of them is, love your enemies. And the reason I don't like that verse is because I just find it impossible to actually do. You love people that hate you. Are you kidding me, Lord? Really? Is is that even possible? And and no sooner do I, you know, reflect and and confirm that I can't do it, I, I feel Jesus confirming my confirmation saying, actually, that decision you've made and that realisation that you've come to that you can't do it, here's a new slash, you can't. Has anyone else had that revelation? Not only do you know you can't do it, but then the confirmation from heaven comes that you can't do it. And that creates a dilemma for me as it does for you, that if I can't do it and Jesus knows I can't do it, why would you say I can? You know I can't, I know I can't, and yet you're telling me I'm going to do even greater things. It doesn't make sense. It can seem a little bit cruel, but that's where we need to know the context of Scripture. Because Jesus never said that we would do greater things than Him without us receiving a promise. 
Jesus promised us one who would come and help us. He promised us the helper. Everyone say the helper. He promised us one that would help us. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, it says this, On one occasion, while He, speaking of Jesus, was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not do anything. Do not do all the great things I've told you you're going to do. Do not do it just yet. Don't do it, but wait. Everyone say wait. And herein lies the problem for most of us. We're not good at waiting. It says, don't go off and do, just sit there and wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Jesus spoke about this gift many, many times before. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. So He's making sure that they don't do anything until they receive this gift. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. What is the promised gift? What is the promised help? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person that is fully God. He's the third person of the Godhead. There is God the Father who is in heaven today. There is God the Son, Jesus Christ, who came to planet Earth, lived for some 33 years, was tempted and tested in every way as you and I are, but never sinned. He went to a cruel cross. He died not for His sins, He never sinned. He died for our sins. When the disciples looked at the dead body of Jesus, they thought it was over. But Jesus said, no, I will rise again. And on the third day, He did exactly what He said He would do. He rose again, proving He was who He said He was and He is who He said He is and He can do what He said He could do. He defeated death and hell once and for all. And then for the next six weeks, 40 days, He roamed the earth showing people that He was alive. He showed Himself to believers. He showed Himself to unbelievers. He showed Himself to Jews. He showed Himself to Greeks. He showed Himself to the world. And after 40 days, He ascended into heaven before their very eyes. And it was at that moment, just before that moment, He said, don't go anywhere. And as Jesus ascended into heaven, the early church went to the upper room and they waited, just like Jesus said to do. But they didn't wait one day. They didn't wait two days. They didn't wait three days. They didn't wait four days. They didn't wait five days. They didn't wait six days. They didn't even wait seven days. You think after seven days, God's number, that, that would be it. But no, they had to wait even longer than seven days. They didn't wait eight days. They didn't wait nine days. They waited 10 days for this promise to become their reality. And it's in Acts chapter 2, verses 1, that we see what happened on that day. Because that day changed the disciples forever. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came. Pentecost was a Jewish festival that was held 50 days after Passover. Jesus had walked the earth for 40 days, ascended into heaven, then they had to wait 10 days. 40 plus 10 is 50, making it the day of Pentecost. And it was on this day of Pentecost 
that something happened. They were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. When they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pentecost was the day that the Helper came to the disciples. As I've already mentioned before, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday held 50 days after the Passover. And it just so happened on the day of Pentecost that the promise came to the early church. And many theologians would say that Pentecost marks the birth of the Christian church. It was on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. You may have heard the term a Pentecostal Christian. A Pentecostal Christian is a name given to those believers that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Based upon that definition, this church, Victory Church, would fit into that category. It's not a description that I use often because to me it's far too limiting. To limit our experience to just one moment is too limiting because I also believe in baptism by full immersion. So in a sense, that makes us a Baptist church and I believe that the just shall live by faith. So that makes us like uh, the Lutherans. And so there are many, many other names that I would use to describe our church, but I would never fight anyone that says we are Pentecostal church because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see that day, Pentecost some 2,000 years ago, changed the disciples' lives, not only for that day, but for all days ahead. The Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way and He helped them from that moment on. And I believe that He wants to do the same for us. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit brought a number of helpful things. And I want to look at them this morning in sequential order as to what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The first thing that the Holy Spirit brought that day, He brought creativity. Everyone say creativity. As we've already read in verses 2 to 4, we see that the Holy Spirit shows up in a way He's never shown up before. There was a rushing wind. There were fire, flames that uh, seemed to settle on their head, tongues of fire. And then they began to speak in new tongues, in languages that they had never spoken before, in languages that they didn't fully understand. This is what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit happens five times in the New Testament. And every time the baptism in the Holy Spirit happens, takes place, something immediately happens. People often ask me, what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life? I would say this, it's a changed life. That's the greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life, a changed life. But when it comes to the change that takes place in our life, like patience and love, some of those things are a process. You certainly don't see them immediately. You know, it's hard to know if someone got patience immediately, you, you need some time and some testing in the area of your patience in order to know if actually you are living a patient life. But on five occasions in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes, there is something that takes place immediately. 
Four of them all come down to tongues. We see in Acts chapter 2, it was tongues. In Acts chapter 10, in Cornelius' house, it was tongues. In Ephesians, uh, sorry, in Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, it was tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, speaking of Paul, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And then there's this one occasion in Acts chapter 8, verses 15 to 19. It doesn't mention tongues specifically, but when they prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, something happened that people could see and it happened instantaneously and immediately. And based on the previous four other Scriptures, it would be fair to say that that moment probably involved the speaking in of tongues. I believe that the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes with this incredible gift, the ability to speak in tongues. What's so important about tongues? Tongues is a heavenly language and it's perfect prayer. How many of you have ever found yourself wanting to pray, trying to pray, but struggling to pray? Well, God has given us a gift to be able to pray perfect prayer that bypasses our mind, bypasses our emotions so that we can speak direct to God when we don't know what we ought to pray, when we don't know how to pray because we're overwhelmed with the circumstance, we're overwhelmed with the situation. God wants to come into our life to give us a gift to be able to help us in our time of need. And one of the ways He helps us is in the way that we pray. Can I just put a little clause and say, we I'm not saying to be part of this church, you have to speak in tongues. We're not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that there are gifts on offer and they are available to you. And who wouldn't want these incredible gifts? If I said to you, I will give you a million dollars, you'd probably say, give it to me. You know, um, if the Holy Spirit was offering you a million dollars as one of His gifts, you'd probably say, give it to me. I feel like what God is offering us is far more valuable than a million dollars. And so it would be wrong of me and amiss of me not to highlight what it is that is on offer and then leave you the decision to make between you and God. But for me, I feel like Paul. I pray in tongues often. I pray in tongues every day of my life and I'm thankful for this heavenly language that bypasses my emotions, it bypasses my mind and I can speak directly to God. I believe in specific prayer and I believe in praying in tongues. It's an incredible gift. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, He does new and creative things. They'd never spoken in tongues before. They'd never seen tongues of fire before and they'd never seen this mighty rushing wind before. He's a God that does new things. He's a creative God. But not only does He do new things, but Holy Spirit comes and breathes new life into old things. How many of you have found your Bible reading gets stale? Maybe your church attendance gets stale. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring a newness and a freshness to that which has become old and stale in your life. What we tend to do without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we make decisions by ourselves and change things. We change our wife. We change our husband. We change our church. We change our car. We change our home. We change our cat. We change our dog. We change everything but ourselves. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to come and fill us with His power so that we change. The thing that drives me is to see the growth of the church and the growth of individuals within His church. And for that to happen, it equals one thing. We must change. I love seeing people's lives change for the better. And the great thing about Christianity is this. In this school of life, there is no graduation date. We're always learning. We're always growing. We all have a next step. 
been leading this church for almost 25 years and I want to say I'm a student of the Word of God. I'm a student of following God's Word. I'm a student of being led by the Holy Spirit and I want to learn more because I realise I have not arrived. And so if you're the oldest member of our church today, you have some growing and changing to do. If you're a first time visitor, there's some growing and changing to do, but it's good because it makes us bigger, better people. The word spirit means wind or breath. And it's the Holy Spirit that was at work in the book of Acts that was also at work in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, at the beginning of creation, when the world was formed and human beings were formed, the Holy Spirit was at work. And God made this little mud man called Adam. And he lay there lifeless until God breathed his breath into Adam. And it was only when the breath of God entered Adam that he rose and became a living being. And it's this breath of God, the Holy Spirit, that wants to breathe upon you, breathe upon me, breathe upon your marriage, breathe upon your family and bring new life to your circumstance and new life to your situation. He's a God who does new things. He's a creative God. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, He will do new things. He will do exciting things. And even things that you've been involved in for years, like leading this church or being married, uh, I want to tell you, God has come again and again and again and brought a fresh newness to my marriage, a fresh newness to me being able to lead this church, a fresh newness to being able to raise three children. Thank God I just didn't get rid of my kids. I just need new kids. They're just causing me too much trouble. Let's just get rid of them. No, no we want, we want, I, want to, I want to know how to do this better. And I'm so grateful to the Holy Spirit for breathing His life into my life again and again and again. He brought creativity. Secondly, He brought comfort. Everyone say comfort. In Acts chapter 2, same chapter, verses 12 to 13, it says this, The people were amazed and perplexed and they said to one another, what does this mean? They were seeing all these people speaking in languages that they understood. They didn't even know how it was happening. And they're like, what does it mean? They were intrigued. They were wondering what was going on. Do you know, do you know what a wonder does? We talk about signs and wonders. Do you know what a wonder does? A wonder makes you wonder. And these, early, these people that were watching the early church, the disciples, they were wondering what on earth is going on? What on earth is happening? This is not normal. This is not usual. What on earth is going on? Wonders make you wonder. And so while many of the people were wondering, it says in verse 13, some however, and there's always a some however, some however made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. It's an amazing thing. Some were there in the midst of Genuine revival. I mean, this was the birth of the new church. You talk about, we need God to come. God will sort out all. No, no. When God came and did what only God can do and the early church was being birthed and revival was taking place, miracles were happening, signs were happening, wonders were happening. There were still some that doubted. There were still some that mocked. Because as the great theologian Taylor Swift says, haters gonna hate, hate, hate. I mean, Haters just do that. They do that. And it's the same 2,000 years ago. Why? Because people tend to criticise what they don't understand. And that's when we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus never said that we would have a comfortable life. In actual fact, when we truly follow Christ, there'll be times when it's anything but comfortable. 
Paul, the great apostle, said, we must face many hardships. He was talking about following Christ. And so we were never promised a comfortable life. The promise was that in our uncomfortable moments, we would find the comfort that only comes from God Himself through the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And if we know this, I believe it can change the way we pray. Because often we pray, God, get me out of here. God, get rid of that person. Smite them, Almighty Smiter. That's how we pray. Instead of saying, this is a tough season and I don't see any way out of it anytime soon. But Holy Spirit, I know that You're with me. And Holy Spirit, I know that You have an incredible way of comforting me, even in my darkest moment. And I ask You to come and comfort me in Jesus' Name. 2016 for us was one of those years. God never took us out of it. He took us through it. And the way He took us through it is meeting me time and time and time again and giving me a supernatural, unexplainable comfort in an uncomfortable situation and in an uncomfortable season in our life as a church, in our life as a family and in my life personally. But I can say this, though God never delivered me from it, He got me through it. How did He get me through it? By showing up on a daily basis as the comforter who's able to comfort me even in my most uncomfortable moments. That's the promise. He's the one who comforts us. And while the Scripture does not say the Holy Spirit comforted them against those who hate. No, we know that when there are haters and when there are jeerers and when there are people saying you're just drunk, the comfort of God comes. We don't read that God struck them down. What we see through the way they lived their lives is there was a comfort that came, that they were able to live above what was taking place and the mockery that came their way. I don't know for any of you like me that got involved in the royal wedding last night. Is there anyone? Anyone watch it? Well, I want to tell you, I'm a royalist and it comes down to my heritage. My mum was a royalist. I remember as a seven-year-old kid being taken out of school to have a day off school to go line the streets of Elizabeth to see Her Majesty in 1977 on the Silver Jubilee. And I gave her my best wave. Just... Just, and every royal wedding, I'm kind of there. I, I, don't, I didn't just follow. I was flipping invested. I was there. I was watching every moment. And I, I noticed uh, Megan, when she got out the car, she didn't have much makeup on, but I'd studied the situation. And it's because she loves her freckles and she didn't want the makeup artist to cover her freckles. I love that. I mean, she's just a gorgeous thing. I do have a crush on her. I had a crush on her first as Rachel before Megan, but that's fine. <laughs> And I just and I thought her 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 dress was 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 understated but elegant. It was very nice. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I was invested. I, I wasn't just watching. Most of you were watching. I was invested. I was there. And, and I'm like looking at Harry. You better look after her, man. You, like, I'm just I, I was there. I was just loving. I thought Harry looked amazing. I thought what he was wearing was great. I, I, I loved the way they did the service. And, and then obviously, you know, when, when the Reverend got up there to start preaching, I mean, like, wow, Reverend Michael Curry. I mean, doing, talk about doing things he'd never done before. I mean, the royal family have never seen that before. I mean, that was like flat out preaching. That was the gospel to two billion people. I mean, come on. 
And it wasn't the gospel we are gathered here today. It was the gospel. It was like kind of old school Pentecostal fire of God preaching. And I'm just, oh my gosh, it was amazing. I feel like I had this out of body experience, just loving every minute. I'm like, preacher. And then, and I felt like oh, that the black guy on the inside of me came out and I was just amening and, and just going with him. And, you know, if, if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. I love the Lord. He got Daniel out of the lion's den and he got Gilligan off the island. <laughs> kind of fire of God preaching. And he was talking about love, the love of God. Love of God is like a fire. And he starts talking about the industrial age and all the ages we've ever experienced. None of them would happen without fire. You need fire. What better message than on Pentecost Sunday that we need the fire of God. Amazing message. You think every Christian in the world would be happy, but no. Woke up this morning, see statements. Went too long. What's he on about? Wow. I wouldn't even think that was possible, but it is. Because there'll always be some who misunderstand what is happening. Did he go twice as long as he should have based upon the run sheet? Yeah. But two million people got to hear the love of God. I mentioned I was invested, didn't I? There's this moment right at the end of his speech. He looked at Megan and Harry, who better look after her, but anyway. <laughs> he says, God loves you. That was it. I was done. I felt the tears coming. I did the manly thing and just went, leant forward so Kath couldn't see me. <laughs> That moment got me. And it was a sincerity. And it was a genuine article. It wasn't just him preaching about love. He oozed love. And when he says, God loves you too, he meant God loves you too. It wasn't rhetoric. And yet there's still some who don't get it, misunderstand it. And I got to see his interview this morning. And they were mentioning about how long he went. He said, I've been doing this thing for a long time. And I've learned it doesn't matter about the crowd. I speak to those that I'm marrying. And those that I was marrying had a glint in their eye. They were engaged. They were looking at me. They were looking at each other. And I knew there was a connection. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit that comforted the disciples all these years ago would comfort that man today amidst the haters that are going to hate, hate, hate. Because even if he did go a little bit too long, that kind of preaching does not happen in that kind of setting. In actual fact, I dare say it's never happened before. Can we not celebrate the creativity, the newness, the freshness of that moment? Thirdly, the, creator, the Holy Spirit brought courage. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. We can read over that. But you've got to understand, Peter stood up. 
And it wasn't just him. The 11 stood up with him. And they spoke with great boldness. You only have to go back a few moments where they were locked behind a locked door for 10 days because of fear of the people that they were now addressing. What does the Holy Spirit want to do in your life? He wants to come and give you a boldness and give you a courage. Maybe you're facing exams, young people. Well, I pray you go into those exams with a confidence and a courage and you don't psych yourself out before you even put pen to paper. May the fire of God, may the power of God, may the courage of God be your portion. My nightly prayer with our youngest BJ is exactly that. God did not give you a spirit of fear, BJ. Now, just because God didn't give you one doesn't mean you don't have one. It just means God didn't give it to you. So we've got to address the source of the fear. BJ, if you're afraid of something, it didn't come from God because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you something. Do you know what He gave you, BJ? And every night she says this, He gave me a spirit of love, power and a sound mind. And I said, I pray that that love that's in you, that power that's in you, that soundness of mind that's in you rises above any fear that's in you and the Spirit of God that lives in you would overcome those fears and you would face your fears and you would have the best life imaginable. You don't want to be a young lady that's dictated to by fear and crippled by fear for the rest of your life because God did not give you a spirit of fear, but He put inside of you one who is greater than He that is in the world and He's one that's full of love, full of power and full of soundness of mind. We see that take place in the early church. Amen. Fourthly, He brought clarity. The Holy Spirit brought clarity in Acts chapter 2 verse 15. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Not only he's got boldness, Peter's got clarity. Where did that clarity come from? From the Holy Spirit. If ever there's a season, if ever, if, ever, if ever there is a time in history where we need clarity, it's right here, right now. He says these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. What's he saying? He's saying, you know, I know some would say, Somewhere in the world it's five o'clock as an excuse to drink. You may have found yourself saying that. It must be it's five o'clock somewhere in the world. <laughs> no, Peter's saying, hey, it may be five o'clock in the world somewhere, but here in Jerusalem right now, it's 9am in the morning and these people are not drunk as you suppose. This is what took place According to the prophet Joel, the prophet Joel spoke hundreds of years earlier. He prophesied about this moment. This, what you're seeing right now, is what Joel spoke about. This is that. That's what's going on here. He brings clarity as to what it is. And he brought clarity not only to what it is, but to who it's for. Quoting Joel, he says, The promise is for the last day. What Peter was doing was taking something that was six, seven hundred years old and saying that promise is for right here, right now. We who are in the last days. There are some that would say the speaking in tongues and all that took place in the Bible, that was for a certain dispensation and that dispensation has passed. I say no, like Peter, this promise is for those that are living in the last days. And if Peter was living in the last days, well, 2,000 years later, we're living in the last of the last days. So that promise of Joel is true for us today. It's right here, right now that we can have the promise of God. It's for the last days. The promise is for all people. 
It's for men and women. It's for young and old. That covers every one of you in the room. And he goes on to say it's a promise for all people groups. See, the Holy Spirit does not discriminate. He said, even on your servants, the word servants translates slaves. Even those who are slaves here today, Peter says, the Spirit of God is for you. It's for those in the last days. It's for all people and it's for all people groups. The Holy Spirit brought clarity. Number five, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. It brought conviction that day. Acts chapter 2, as a band come, that'd be great. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? See, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin, to convict us when we've done the wrong thing. Salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was at work Peter was speaking, but the Holy Spirit was at work. No preacher ever saved anyone. Salvation only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present that day. People started to feel a conviction. They started feeling not good about what they used to feel good about. Isn't that amazing? This is what the Holy Spirit does. He makes you feel bad when you do the bad things. When you feel bad about doing something bad, that's good. But when you feel good about doing something bad, that's bad. But the Holy Spirit lets you feel bad when you've done bad because that's good. That's Him getting our attention. That's Him getting our attention. And these people under the conviction of the Holy Spirit ask this question, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do now? I know, I, I, I know what I've been doing is not right, but I can't live feeling like this. What's the answer? Which brings me to point number six. He brought them to Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for your forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that awesome? See, the number one role of the Holy Spirit is to promote Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the PR manager of Jesus. See, God branded Himself with Himself and gave the brand a name. And the name that He gave for the brand is Jesus. It's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's role is point us to that name. You know, I don't know if you're anything like me and you've been offered a Coke and, and in saying yes to the Coke, you're expecting Coke, as in Coca-Cola, the real thing. Yeah? And how many of you are expecting the real thing, the real Coca-Cola, have been handing something that looks like Coke, smells like Coke, but when you taste it, you know it's not Coke. And you say, can, can, I, can I see the brand? Where's the brand manager? Can you just, can I, can you just get me the bottle out of the fridge? And you, and you go to the fridge and you look in the fridge. There's no Coke bottles. There's AC Cola bottles. <laughs> See, there's lots of cola out there, but there's only one Coke. People often say, I believe in God. There's lots of gods out there, small g. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they go by all different brand names. Buddha, Krishna, Port Adelaide Football Club. <laughs> different names to different gods. But there's one God. It goes by the name Jesus. And the Holy Spirit as the PR manager only ever points to Jesus. You see, in that moment, Peter didn't say, hey, look at us. You see what we're doing? Speaking in tongues, you see that? Boom. See me rolling on the floor, you see that? Boom. See me barking like a... He didn't make it about the expression. Some people think unless you fall over, roll on the floor, bark like a dog, the Holy Spirit's not here. You know, there are some things God does that I can't fully explain. And I've had moments in my life where the power of God's come on me and I've been unable to stand and I'm grateful that someone was there to catch me. I thank God for that. God can be in that. But a whole heap of nonsense can also be in that. That is not the evidence. Like I said before, the evidence is a changed life. And what I love what Peter did, he didn't make it about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He made it about Jesus Christ. We are here to glorify Christ. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We are here to present and represent the name of Jesus. The name that God goes by is the name of Jesus. That is His brand. That's who He is. There is no other name that God goes by but Jesus. In conclusion this morning, this experience that took place on the day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago was not a one-off occurrence. It was, it was something that took place ongoingly. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience. In Acts chapter 4, Verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God boldly. H hang on a minute. Those same group of people in Acts chapter 4 were the same group of people in Acts chapter 2. Hang on, in Acts chapter 2, weren't they filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, they were. But by the time Acts chapter 4 came around, they needed to be filled again. If you have a car, you've probably stopped at a service station and filled it up. But who knows, the moment you drive out of that petrol station, guess what's happening to your fuel? It's going down. Because to use your car is to use the fuel in your car. And when your car gets low again, you don't say, hey, what's going on? I filled it up once. Shouldn't have to do that again. No, no, you've got to fill it up again. And so when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we put into practice the Word of God and we actually love our enemies, which is possible with Him, the Helper. But when you do that, you're giving of yourself and you're getting depleted. And then you're like, man, I met this guy at work and he doesn't know Jesus. I had this incredible conversation with him about Christ. Amazing. 
had to have a really tough conversation with a guy this week. He's playing the fool and I love him too much just to leave him be. And so I spoke to him out of love, truth in love. And thank God it turned out well. And that's before you get home. When you get home, got wife to deal with, kids to deal with. Hey, say, kids, come here, come here. Mum tells me you're fighting. Another crucial conversation. Hey, in this home, we don't do that. We love each other. We... By the time we get to the end of the day, it's been a great day, but I'm empty. Yeah. And at that moment, where are you, Holy Spirit? What needs to happen? I need to, just like the car, go into the service station again. Stop, wait, and fill up. To wake up the next day and have a crucial conversation and to witness and to love and to be kind to our enemies. To get to another day and say, Lord, I'm empty again. Do you know why we need filling up again? Because we leak. You ever taken a leak? We leak. On our best of days, we leak. On the bad days, it's just like there's a hole in our tank. <laughs> you stand with me this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.